0: I basically it's, told it's, them the
1: same thing, that it's too early right now. I think once they yeah. actually come out with the thing and it's accurate, that's when we'll really start to figure out like how practical yeah. is this.
2: Hello, everyone. Welcome to the latest episode of the Matchbox Podcast Powered by Ignition Coach Co. I'm your host, Adam Saban, and this week, Drew, Dylan, Caitlin, and I have a deep dive discussion on whether lab tests to measure metrics such as VO2 max, lactate threshold, body composition, sweat rate, and more are actually worth your time and money. Dylan also goes on about his longing for the continuous lactate monitor to be widely available, or at least available for his own personal use. Before we get into reading a feedback email that recommends the only Lyft service bike park open year-round in North America for those that are looking to work on their skills this winter. Today's show is also brought to you by Flow Formulas. Everyone here at Ignition leans heavily on Flow Formulas for everyday training and race fueling needs. If you two want to give it a try, head over to flowfoilamus.com today and use the discount code IgnitionPodcast10 for 10% off your first order. And as always, if you like what you hear, please share this with your friends and leave us a five story view. If you have any questions for the show, drop us an email at matchboxpod at gmail.com with email title on the Matchbox Podcast, or you can head over to Ignition Coach Co and fill out the Matchbox Podcast listener question form. All right, let's get into it. Okay, this is from Jim. So, question for the Matchbox Podcast Do you guys regularly test vo2 max resting metabolic rate lactate testing etc is it worth the money to dial in your zones via these methods or can you get close enough based on field testing so i'm curious I, i think he's asking you know first first and foremost personally so i'm curious what you guys like have you guys done
3: uh any like lab testing uh i have not but i've got a friend here in brevard who's really into lactate testing and i think i might have him do a lactate test on me
1: um, You're also coming to Indianapolis with me in February to do a lactate test. Yeah. Interesting. Lactate. Yeah, what is, this gonna do like,
2: the, what is this, like, co- covert operation you keep we're gonna talking We're going to do about? the
1: whole thing. We're going to. It's at VQ Labs Indy. They're hooking me up. They're hooking me and Dylan up. Can I come? Yeah, come on down, dude. <laughs> like, that's a, right. quite a hike for you. I mean, I guess it's a pretty good hike for Dylan, too. But Dylan has other people he's going to go see while he's there, too. But they're going to do the full... Metabolic, like resting metabolic, DEXA scan to get like your body composition and all the different lactate testing as well. I don't know if they do like VO two, so where we, they actually like hook you up to the to the thing.
3: I would while imagine you, do if they, if while you're got riding, it. but that'd be cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I like but, lactate testing is probably the new frontier in cycling. There's a lot of people already. It, it's the new frontier in endurance sports in general. Uh, there are people who are already lactate testing with, you know, they take, they prick their finger or, or their ear and they do a test strip and then they put it in this thing and it tells you your lactate. That's an okay way of doing it. Uh, it's a little clunky and you know, it, uh, if you're used to using a power meter or heart rate monitor, it it's going to seem uh, clun- clunky is one way to put it, but it's just, I guess inconvenient would be another way to put it. Um, Inconvenient enough that it's, it's like a road I haven't even gone down yet. Um, I've actually got a lactate. uh, I've got a a tester and I haven't even used it yet because the amount of steps that you need to go through. But uh, I think I will get my buddy here in Brevard to do a lactate test on me just so I, I have the numbers, but the recently they've been talking about how continuous lactate monitors are on the horizon and whenever those come out and they've been proven to actually be accurate that will that will change cycling the way the power meter changed cycling it's it's going to revolutionize training um so and I'm not the only one saying this. It seems like pretty much every single coach that knows anything about lactate is saying the exact same thing. So, but not Jeff Kabush. Yeah, saying that. You know, Jeff Kabush is a world-renowned coach. <laughs> <laughs> so,
2: I'm Dylan, I'm curious. Do you think that it'll be such a uh like, you know, revolution in training that the power meter will become
3: obsolete? No. To at least to athletes that have access to the uh, continuous lactate no, monitor, I don't think so because the continuous lactate monitor is, uh you know, it's measuring it's it's <clears throat> it's measuring internal load or internal stress, and the power meter is is an external measurement, and it's a way of being objective about improvement. You know what I mean? Sure. So if you if you um, gain, uh, 40 Watts at four millimoles of lactate, then you've improved. So you actually want to, I'll be honest, you want to use them together. You want to use the power meter and the lactate monitor together. I, I, I know that there are some people that when they got a power meter, they got rid of the heart rate monitor and they just never use a heart rate monitor. They only use power. I think that's a mistake as well. I think you should use a heart rate monitor with a power meter. Uh, it's good to have both of those pieces of data. And if you can have, add lactate onto that, all three of those pieces of data, you would you would have the best insight into your training that anybody has ever had if you had those three pieces of data.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I guess when I said obsolete, I didn't mean like throw it in the trash. I more meant like, let's say you're going off for a zone two ride. Would you prescribe that zone two ride based on, uh you know, the lactate
3: measurement so i think that if if continuous lactate monitors came out and they were proven to be accurate i think that coaches at, at least i think that i would stop prescribing zone two workouts it based off of heart rate or power if if the athlete has a continuous lactate monitor you would start uh prescribing zone two workouts based off of lactate yeah How is this different than heart rate? Because heart rate is
1: also an internal measure of effort.
3: It is. Yeah, it is an internal measure. Uh, And, you know, your heart rate and your lactate are fairly closely correlated. So, you know, you can, again, you can do do this where you can find out roughly where your zone two heart rate is. And that's a pretty good indication of, of whether you're going too hard or too easy on a given workout. So it's not like you can't figure this stuff out right now you can certainly, uh, there's rough estimates or you can use a lactate, uh, the current lactate monitors that we have that are a little clunky and you can figure it out. I'm just and saying that it's,
0: clunky and I can't believe you haven't used it yet. If it's going to be so revolutionary, why haven't you used the one that you have?
3: Because it's a bum. so, because the problem is that you're, you're, for example, if you start a zone two ride at at and you're you're,
0: oh you don't like to ride it's like you don't like to ride on the trainer it's easy if you do it on the trainer because then you can just have an email no no
3: no no this is not what i was going to say if you start a zone two ride at 200 watts and that's two millimole of lactate for you Mm -hmm. you could get five hours in and 200 watts is no longer two millimole like yeah that's why you
0: continuously check
3: (laughs) yeah i guess but but how like how hard is that to continuously check? You have to constantly be pricking your fingers. You have to constantly be putting it in the machine.
0: Yeah. So people that do it, like you're either on the trainer and you're you're stopping every like 30 minutes to an hour um, or you're outside repeating like a circuit or like one stretch of road and then. Yeah. somebody.
3: Testing, I mean people uh, who, people who use it to do intervals they're stopping every interval or every two depending on how long the interval is like every interval or every two intervals to check their lactate
2: mm-hmm. you know
3: um I mean yeah it's a, it's a huge pain right now to take your lactate I guess it I guess it would be easier if I rode on the trainer I do not I I did a 1 hour trainer ride yesterday and it was torture Why did you do that uh I'm I have a very mild cold right now and I didn't want to expose myself Mm. to cold weather. So, I mean like your heart rate also
1: changes throughout the ride and that exactly. Yeah. So like, I feel like if your lactate is like, if you're trying to keep it under a certain number for your lactate levels, what are the odds of that being the exact same thing as like a heart rate yeah, it's, ceiling?
3: It's very, it's very, yeah. That's why, that's why a lot of coaches, including myself prescribe zone two workouts off of heart rate instead of power, you know? Um and, and like I said, that's, we have, we have decent ways of estimating it right now, both with a power meter and with a heart rate monitor. I'm just saying, if you had a continuous lactate monitor, there's no estimating, there's no guesswork, you know.
1: Yeah. That's what I was hoping you'd say.
3: I felt like we were, we've all been asking you the
1: questions and like, (laughs) like we're all playing devil's advocate, but I guess you seem like you know the most about it, or at least you're the most excited. Dylan, how much,
2: how much do we know about how, uh, Lactate levels can fluctuate based on external variables. So, say, rested state, uh, you know,
3: your state of nutrition. Yeah, they, um, so, just like with fatigue, yeah, just like with your heart rate, all of that can affect your lactate levels. And I don't even think that we have a full grasp of how much those affect lactate levels because we don't have continuous lactate monitors. And we there are some people that are constantly checking their lactate with the technology that we currently have, and they probably have a better idea of how their body responds to, say, caffeine or not getting enough sleep or fatigue, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But at this point, we've had heart rate monitors that's for so long that any individual who's used a heart rate monitor for long enough can tell you what their heart rate's gonna do if they didn't sleep the night before or if they had caffeine or if they're really fatigued. Sure. And whenever this technology comes out, I think every individual is going to have a way better idea of how their lactate responds to all of those variables as well. Sure. Yeah, we'll see. It, when did they? When, when is the forecast for when they'll be kind of readily yeah, available? Yeah, I don't know. There's not a. There's not a date. The K Watch or the PK Watch. I think it's K Watch. Is it? K-? It's just K Watch. I have it pulled up actually. Is uh, going to be
0: like a CGM where it just like is a thing that sticks in the arm with a little? Like, yeah, I um, think,
3: yeah, I think so. I think that goes into them. Mm, yeah, okay. um, I signed up for their newsletter, or whatever, and also I told them that I want to be a test subject for their K Watch. They haven't gotten back oh. to me. Um,
1: so. Some people, some people sign up for the early access to the Tesla truck, and other people sign up for the early access to a continuous lactate monitor. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so I think going back to this guy's question, like. With any type of data, you just need to know how to use it. And the more frequently you use it, the more information you're going to gain from it and be able to apply. So, like, people thought the CGM, the continuous glucose monitor, was going to be super revolutionary. And it's like, meh. I mean, it. it, yeah. I gave it a shot. Blaine gave it a shot. It's none of Here's the thing. None of these pieces of equipment are going to make you any faster unless you know how to apply the data. So, it's like, I mean, I've... I've done all of the tests just because I've, I went to school for exercise science and we had a human performance lab and like we had to get so many hours. Um, so we had to run tests on each other. So I've had the VO2 max test done, the, the wind gate for your you know maximal anaerobic capacity, you know, all of it. The, um, yeah, unless you're if it's super accessible and you can continuously or routinely, I should say, get it done. Um, it's good to track progress. Um, but I think to have these tests um, as data to support your training and influence your training, you're better off getting a coach. A coach can do that better than um, this, you know, paying for, you know, a lactic meter or paying a university to get, you know, multiple VO2 tests done.
2: Yeah. And I think something you, you, you pointed out there is really important to, to reiterate. So you said, Unless you can have some of these tests done routinely, then, you know, and interpret the data appropriately and apply it to your training appropriately, the data itself is not yeah. super valuable. And I think it might be that's why field tests are so common. Mm-hmm. You know, that's something that you can repeat yeah. every month if you wanted to track progress every month. You know, most coaches will probably prescribe it every two or three months just to update zones, but like that's something that can be repeated and it's more convenient to do. Uh, for most people, it's free. You know, you don't have to go to a lab. You don't have to take time out of your day. You don't have to pay for the lab <clears throat> testing to be done. Um, you don't have to sacrifice, like, training in the process. You know, so it's, I mean, that that's why field tests exist. And the field tests aren't derived out of nowhere. You know, the field tests are derived in conjunction with using lab data to try and correlate the best protocol that will output the, you know, the closest, most, you know, relevant, uh, you know, output. You know, FTP, whether it's power or heart rate, you know that's that's where these protocols came from. It's not like someone just said, "I think, I think if you went out and did a hard effort for twenty minutes, that should be pretty close to estimating what your functional threshold power is." It's like no, they they they've done research to try and back up the those protocols, and that's that's why they've kind of you know stuck to this day. Um, you know, so I mean, I, I I think the you know CLMs will. Maybe revolutionize training at the highest level, but I I, I kind of tend to agree. I don't know that they're going to revolutionize training for most everyday athletes.
0: And I will say, <laughs> look, I know I know where your head is with this. You, you know, most of these. Um, I mean, you can do it with any test, but there's so many modalities for available to us to compare ourselves to other athletes. The first thing you're going to do when you get your VO2, if you don't know, like really what it means is you're going to you're going to see try and find out what other people's VO2 is. Same thing with FTP. Like you're going to try and find out what other people's FTP is uh, to give yourself some court, sort of comparison to where you are in comparison to them. You know, so just yeah, just stick with the field test. It's repeatable. You compare yourself, you know, to yourself and
2: yeah. Do any of you guys have athletes that, uh, have, whether it's the Wahoo or Garmin watches that will try to estimate what your VO2 max is. Yeah.
0: Yeah. The Garmin.
2: Oh, mm-hmm. Drew's, Drew's got one on his wrist. <laughs> what do you guys do with that data? Cause I, I have a couple athletes that, that have that, you know, they'll, they'll insert it into training peaks and kind of ask me to do absolutely you know, interp- interpret nothing it. with that data. I mean, that's, yeah, that's, that's, I, yeah, I, I generally disregard it just because to me, it's probably not going to be as accurate as doing a field test in any way. And I'm not going to base someone's training off of inaccurate data.
1: I haven't done the research, but I've heard that it's actually like way more accurate than you'd think it would be. uh, But isn't it taking
0: into account heart rate? uh, And I find that the risk-based heart rate is so wildly inaccurate for myself. mm,
1: Yeah, but this connects Like if you have, I have a Garmin watch and a Garmin head unit. So like my watch tells me my VO2, like it's all integrated. So like I'm, I, all of my heart rate data is based off of my external heart rate that I wear on my chest. That makes sense. I
3: I wouldn't, I wouldn't be shocked if it's, if it's decently accurate, but what are you going to do with that information? Yeah. That's the other thing. You know what I mean? Knowing that you have a, Mm -hmm. I mean, if anything, I, I find it a, um, a bad thing
1: like uh sure. if you find out that your VO2 is not what you thought it was that could be mm-hmm. like a uh like a like a thorn in your side. Like, I would oh dang
3: like I would I'm say never that going to get fast. I don't know. Going I'd back not to know. the Going back to the CLMs, <laughs> the difference between a CLM and your VO2 max or even your your continuous glucose monitor it's like we're we're talking about those, we're talking about data that's, I mean continuous glucose monitor, you could you could sort of modify your behavior using a continuous for for people who are diabetic or pre-diabetic, you could absolutely modify your behavior using a continuous glucose monitor. Normal people could probably modify their behavior a little bit. But a continuous lactate monitor is if if you can see it in real time, that is that's incredibly applicable information to have. You see it and you immediately change your action based on what it's telling. Ta- it's ex- It's exactly like having a power meter. A power meter, you you see it and you immediately change your action do you hear? Uh, we have <laughs> but, a power but it's, meter we, but it's we already
1: not, have a power meter and we already <laughs>
3: have a heart rate monitor
2: so but it's and it's not it's not as reactive as power right it's, so it's it, probably it, it about isn't lactate accumulate similar to yeah, heart it's, rate it's, so it's probably like about turn. as it's probably
3: about as reactive as heart rate but it just it allows you to get more refined um, Dylan, what you're saying is that during a race
1: if you look down mm-hmm. and see that your lactate is at a certain level you're like holy crap i need to back it off or i'm gonna blow up we can do the same. I, we can do that right now with heart rate. When my heart rate hits a certain number, I'm like, oh snap, I got to back it off. Like, isn't that the same
3: thing? Well, you can just, you can, this way there, I I don't know how many times I have to explain this, but there's no guesswork <laughs> with the lactate. There's absolutely no guesswork at all. It is the number that you want to know. <laughs> okay. Like heart, so heart rate, will... heart rate is a proxy for the number you want to know. Okay. Okay.
0: I, I will say I'll, I'll give the lactate monitor this. One of the things that we try to train is repeatability and lactate buffering. So obviously using a lactate meter to physically see how quickly you're able to buffer lactate after. But then it's like, yeah, the the CLM would obviously be better. Um, but in that specific scenario with the lactate meter that we have, it is kind of a pain in the butt because you do have to test after every single interval, but I mean I see the argument for it there. That's one where heart rate doesn't really I mean you can see how quickly you're recovering, but yeah.
1: I'm excited to do the lactate testing with Dylan. I think the whole like lactate VO two testing with me and Dylan will will answer the question who is more talented? <laughs> I knew that <laughs> because was, it's yeah. literally gonna be like, <laughs> uh, I don't know, one of us is gonna have a higher VO two or whatever. Like to me, mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I'm not. An, I'm not an expert. But to me, VO two seems like the uh, the one metric that's ha- very hard to increase or decrease. It's almost like an innate attribute. Uh, like you hear all the time of like Lance Armstrong had some crazy like
3: yeah. eighty plus VO two or something it, like that. It in, it increases with training, but only to a point. Uh, yeah, and there's a right, point yeah. at which it plateaus, and then it's very hard to increase it afterwards. So. It I'm is. So kind curious. Of, I want to see who has a higher VO2. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of a way. It, it there's so many other factors, right? Uh, there's so many other genetic factors, not yes. uh, not just taking it like not taking into account uh, race craft factors, if if you want to. But there's so many other genetic factors other than VO2 max. But it's probably the closest test that you you have to trying to figure out how genetically. Um, yeah, the- predetermined somebody is to be good at what, endurance what the, sports. What was
1: the word that you said last week? Uh, what was it? Um prep a prep a or something.
3: Pre- predetermined. No, I don't I don't think pre- predetermined is not the right word. I'm, I'm trying to think of what that word you was. Said I can't remember. Crazy word. <laughs> Predispositioned. No,
1: because I know what those means. It, whatever he said was like a word I had never heard before. Yeah. I can't can't remember it. I don't remember, but it was good. It was on the (laughs) mom. We'll have to go back and listen to it now. Anyways. Yeah. I I was literally just having this exact conversation about the whole continuous lactate monitor with an athlete two days ago. And I was like, Oh, Hey, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll email you. I I was like, I'm sure we'll talk about it on the podcast sometime in the future. And little did I know we were (laughs) going to talk about it two days later. Uh, but I, mean, I basically it's, told it's, them the same thing, that it's too early right now. I think once they yeah. actually come out with the thing and it's accurate, that's when we'll really start to figure out, like, how practical yeah. is this? Because exactly what Caitlin said, like... People seem super excited about it right now but I'm really curious to see like how practically well, useful it's going to be. Remember
3: what Scott was saying on the Bonk Bros he he said his team tried to do lactate testing on him and it was clearly inaccurate and it took a ton of time and he had to do all yeah. these efforts and it was a huge waste of time and energy and resources. <laughs> yeah. Um so
1: and he also said that they used the data for a, a research study which is even like that's kind of yeah. scary.
3: So, you know, but I, I think that those are all flaws of the current way we test lactate. It's just incredible. It's just an incredibly clumsy way to test it. So no, we're going to we're going to make a watch. I, I feel and, like and the watch
1: is going to do it.
0: <laughs> it, seems coaches, a little too, it.
1: Seems a little too good to be true.
0: <laughs> like the the triathletes at the highest level. So like your are Gustav Eden, Christian Blumenfeld, Lionel Sanders, like all of them are doing lactate testing almost every run workout, almost every bike workout. And they have in-person coaches that are like, running these Mm -hmm. tests on them day in and day out and have it down like there's a finesse to it for sure like we have one and yeah i can like blaine and i got into an argument over it the first time we were trying it because i wasted so many of the strips (laughs) because i mean it is it's, it's hard to get an accurate you have to like swab with alcohol then wipe it again like if you're doing ear then wipe it again and then like the strip can't touch your skin. Otherwise it comes out contaminated. Like you only have to get like the blood into the sample. It's, it's hard. Um,
3: okay. So so it is kind of, yeah. So that process that, that is such a pain, obviously it's just who, who is going to do that unless you are, unless you're the, in the top, 0.1% 0.1% of triathletes in the world. Right. And I, I get it. There are people doing this. Usually they have a coach. there doing it for them. Right. They do an interval mm-hmm. on the track. They have them take their lactate. They do another interval on the track. They have them take their lactate. It's, it's almost, it's almost so difficult to do that. It's, 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 I'm not saying it's impossible to do it yourself. There are people doing it themselves, but it's almost like you need yeah. another person there to do it yeah. for you. Yeah. Yeah. If you have a continuous lactate monitor, then it takes out all of that. You know what I mean? You don't need you don't need any of that. It's just on your wrist or on your on your head unit. Yeah. If they can do this, why hasn't somebody come out with that device that I've talked
1: about where you implant something in your throat and it counts all of your <laughs> calories and nutrients as you Yeah, eat that would them? be dope. That would be That's that bad. would be way that would be more revolutionary than lactate because then you can actually measure exactly what you're putting in your body like how many carbs, how much protein, how much fat and you know, at the end of the you day I, your app will tell you like bro, you need to eat more vegetables which <laughs> is
3: probably accurate but the app telling me might help. I mean I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised if that's that's you know somewhere can down the line. Can I sign up line? for can I sign up to be a test a test rat for that? I was I was also you're thinking when question? I <laughs> I was also thinking when I got, uh, when I got blood work done, how nice would it be if, if they could, if you could implant something in your body that monitors your blood and all your, all your blood values you just have on an app. So you can see, you can see what your iron levels are. You can see what your testosterone levels are. You can see what all of it, when you get regular blood work done, it's all just there on an app that you can see day to day. Change. If we can send people to the moon, we should be
1: able to. We should be able to do these things. Come on, people! What? Why are we building rockets? We need these devices for our athletic endeavors. We should. Yeah. Somebody should email Jeff Bezos and tell him to rearrange his priorities. We need. Yeah, dude. Everyone knows that lactate levels are going to change once we're living on Mars, anyways.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Probably. Uh, okay.
3: Let's let's. Uh, Let's move on. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Did we? I don't yeah. know if we really answered that guy's question. Know, we kind of yeah. just went into a huge tangent well, on continuous lactate tape I mean, the, the, the last
2: part of his question is: Is it worth it? You know, mm-hmm. or can you get close enough with, yeah. with field testing? I like I touched on that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, is, yeah. And is, I, is, I, think, wait, I think. Is, that would what, be is, my
0: what, is
3: what worth too. it? Uh, vo
0: two testing for vo two max resting VO2, metabolic. Vo two
3: max not worth rest, it. Resting metabolic rate. If you're trying to lose weight, might be worth it, but otherwise, no. Lactate, and lactate lactate how testing. it currently is tested yes and no let's assume that the let's assume the lactate testing is accurate then i like, I could see it yeah i mean i could see lactate testing being the most useful out of the ones that he rattled off there yeah
1: because then you know
2: but but of that data i feel like the most relevant metric would be estimating your uh LT1 Yeah, that's exactly cuz your LT2 ex- is
1: going to be constantly changing that's what i just said yeah. that's what i was about to so say lt is, is going to be more stable if you can find out what your LT1 <laughs> is then that will and then you can correlate that to a heart rate or power then you'll know like okay mm-hmm. here's where my here's my parameters for my endurance rides which we all know that's like the biggest mistake that new cyclists make is they ride too hard on their endurance rides and so getting this testing done would give you a I, hard and fast rule for that
3: I also think that mm-hmm. a very useful yeah. test to get that would actually change your, that would actually change behavior, because that's the thing about these tests, right? Like, are you going to get this test done and then just know a number, and then that doesn't change anything about what you do? Or are you getting this test done, and now that you know a number, you're actually changing something about what you're doing to improve, right? That's the big question. Right. Right. So VO2 max, you get a number, and it's like, what do I do with that? Nothing. Uh I think that a a useful one to know would be to would be to get a sweat test and to see how mm. how salty a sweater you are, because that would actually uh what you do with that number is you change your nutrition accordingly.
0: I've heard they're pretty inaccurate too.
3: Let's well, just assume I mean, they, they're accurate, guys. You're so <laughs> so counters. <laughs>
0: but it's going to be more accurate than
2: not doing it right i mean like you can at least use it to like like dylan's saying to to alter some some of your you know nutritional intake and and that gives you a baseline for experimentation Mm -hmm. i'm curious about this and that's going to change too you know like based on how heat adapted you are your sweat rate and your concentration of you know sodium or Mm -hmm. you know sodium loss uh yeah that's going to change based on your uh, how adapted you are. I'm I was also about gonna this. say Oh go ahead.
0: Go ahead. Now you go.
1: With the lactate testing, I'm always like uh we did lactate testing with Texas Roadhouse last year. I didn't do it, but I watched and um because I was in the off season, so you know. And uh He didn't want I to was be embarrassed
3: like, by his numbers. Yeah,
1: pretty much. That's <laughs> what it was. Um but I feel like the guys were bragging about who could get their lactate the highest, and I was, like, scratching my head, like, does that matter? Like, if somebody could get their lactate up to, like, 18, which I think is kind of high, well, somebody else could only get it up to 12. Is that... What does that mean? Like, I don't even know what that means. Like,
3: why would you brag about that? Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's kind of like bragging that so you can get your the lactate high, tolerance? highest... Well, but like, I feel like somebody
1: could get a really high lactate number, but they're like LT1 and LT2 are pretty low. Like they're not very fit, but they can, they can make themselves go way deeper. Is it just a matter of being able to like go that deep or is it some physiological? I, yeah, I don't, I don't know if maximum
2: lactate like core is, is the same as like maximum heart rate where you can't really relate the two.
1: Yeah. Like one person and the next. Right. Yeah. I'm just curious about maximum lactate, whatever. Yeah. Numbers. That'd be,
3: (laughs) I want to know why that's useful. So I I think the thing to keep in mind, like we talk about marginal gains versus maximal gains for equipment or maybe all equipment (laughs) gains are marginal gains, depending on who you ask. But we talk a lot about marginal gains for equipment. I would, I'm not, I will say that Doing all of this testing is probably under the umbrella of marginal gains, even though it's a training related gain. You know, your maximal gains are like get a power meter and start training with periodization and, you know, uh, at, at the at the right zones, etc. And then this is like a marginal gain on top of that to get even more refined with your training. I wouldn't call this a maximal any of these tests a maximal gain. I would call them a marginal gain. Right.
0: If you are going to spend your money on a test, I think that should be a scan because this goes beyond training to just longevity or or health span, um, and that is something that you you have. did proven you you can change your bone density you know the old school way of thinking is like you'll lose it or you use it or lose it um and you're just in a steady decline in bone density after the age of 50 or 55 whatever it may be but um that's not necessarily the case um you know if you're doing a lot of low impact activity and you're just spending hours on the bike or and not not running not lifting um it's definitely something you want to look at and may push you to, um, to increase your, your bone density, you know, strength training and, and potentially, um, mitigate your risk of early onset osteoporosis, osteoarthritis. Yeah.
3: Yeah. I would, I would agree with that. And I would also add on to that, the, that probably more useful than any of that is getting, uh, regular blood work done because not only is that not only is getting regular blood work done going to affect your performance, but it's also going to affect your overall health. Uh, if you, you know, for example, know that you have, um, I don't know, like if you're, if you're deficient in some nutrient, not only could that potentially affect your performance, but it could also potentially affect your overall health. It's, it's a win-win to get regular blood work done. And it's probably, going to affect your performance more than all these other lab tests if you can address a deficiency that you have yeah especially
2: if you're going to be either doing an altitude training camp or racing at altitude yeah uh there's certain markers that you want to watch out for um you know being deficient in for sure especially iron
3: for sure but there's i mean there's other ones like b12 is a common mm. one uh surprisingly vitamin d, d- vitamin d a is a common one even though common. you would think that cyclists spend so much time outside they wouldn't have to deal with that i mean that is a super common one too so yeah
2: well i mean it depends where you live if you cuz cuz your sun exposure is is uh, only as effective as how much skin exposure you have mm-hmm. so if you live somewhere where you're in long sleeves and long you know pants half the year yeah then your surface area for you know skin
1: exposure to the sun is like drastically reduced most of the time. Are you telling me that should I I should wear short sleeves even if it's cold outside? There's benefits to that. It'll toughen me up, and or you can just supplement <laughs> with vitamin D in, it'll, in the wintertime. Toughen <laughs> me up, and I'll get vitamin D. Wow, two reasons to not wear your warm clothes in the middle of winter. I like it.
2: <laughs> and I, I don't even think I think it's like ten minutes a day is what the what the minimum recommendation is for uh for for most people to hit their baseline hmm. vitamin D levels so i mean it, it could just be like at the end of your ride when you're warmed up already and
1: stuff just take your arm warmers off and sit in the cold I for bet, 10 minutes i bet i bet that 10 minutes is based off of if you're wearing like shorts and a t-shirt i bet i bet you could reduce that to like 6 minutes if you did it just butt naked in your backyard <laughs> just sunbathing totally exposed cut down that cut down that sun time to 6
3: minutes science well, we'll <laughs> yeah, we'll, uh, we'll let you also reduce, <laughs> see how that could it also, also <laughs> reduce the amount of time before the police show up to six minutes as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, cool. Well, Hey, so
2: we're, we're running a little long here. So, uh, so doing another, another, no, so doing another question. I've got a, uh, follow-up email from someone okay. that I wanted to read. Uh, so this is from Jordan, and Jordan says, uh, What's up, y'all? Great job on the podcast. Always great information. I was listening to a recent episode where you guys were responding to a question from a guy that was training for mountain bike events. Dylan suggested he look at lift service bike, park, bike, bike parks to enhance his skills, and others in the podcast seemed surprised by this suggestion given access. There is, in fact, a lift-serviced downhill mountain bike park that is open year-round, Spider Mountain Bike Park in Central Texas, about an hour west of Austin. I believe it's the owners of Angel Fire Ski Area in New Mexico that that moved on a full moved on a full ski lift and installed it on a 500 foot hill in Texas and is the only downhill bike park that is open year round to my knowledge. Keep up the great work, thanks, Jordan. So I just want to read that for anyone out there who did listen to that. We were, we were talking about mountain bike skills and, and how to incorporate skills training into your everyday training, and I thought that was an inter- interesting. You know, the fact that it's the only. A uh, year round lift access bike park in, in the country. I think that's kind of cool. So, you know, for a lot of people, winter time would be like the best time of year to work on skills, but most bike parks are closed in the winter time. So if you have the resources to either drive there or, you know, fly there for, you know, a weekend or a week, I'm sure they have skills coaches available. Um, but even if not, you know, just the chance to go and ride a lift service bike park could be kind of cool in the winter time. Hmm. Somebody just, should
1: make one of those in Kentucky. Dude, doesn't Kentucky have that underground bike park? No, it got shut down. That was literally like it was literally oh. like uh maybe a half a mile from where cross crossnets were, but and it was mostly like a BMX park more than a it wasn't like a mountain bike. You could ride a mountain bike around there, but it was made more for like dirt jumpers and BMXers than it was. Did
3: you go ever? Yeah, two or three times. It was fun. I mean, Drew, you okay. are only one state over from Tennessee, which has Wind Rock, and Wind Rock doesn't have a ski lift, but it is What's Windrock? I don't know what it is. It's a year-round bike park.
1: What? I'm going to Tennessee on Saturday, dude. I could ditch my family and all their Christmas (laughs) plans and go improve my skills riding. Yeah, you definitely (laughs) could do that on your non-existent (laughs) mountain bike. (laughs) No, no, it it, it exists. It's just slightly though.
2: (laughs) (laughs) That's
3: that's perfect for the downhill park. You don't even need you don't even need gears. Yeah, That was good. Dylan, where is that at? What's called Winrock, uh, Winrock, Tennessee. I mean, I don't know. I don't Ooh. know if Winrock is the town or the name of the mountain. I'll be honest; I've never. Doesn't Tennessee get snow? Well, wait, don't well, they have skiing well, there? And well, stuff? What about what about Rays? He has been to Rays Indoor
0: Park. Oh, in Cleveland, I want to say.
1: There's Cleveland. and a few and, and different ones and Minnesota. Milwaukee had one. Yeah, on. just those two. I think that's fun. Yeah. Same thing though; it's more made for like BMX dirt jumpers. That'd be fun to do in the winter. That'd be a ton of fun. Yeah, they've got like skinnies and
2: uh, some like rock gardens. Usually, So, I mean, you can you can do some. I mean, I will skills. I mean, I, it's it's arguable whether like riding skinnies is actually like a, yeah. a needed skill for mountain biking. But I mean, if it improves your balance, well, I will say and, that if you know, like let's just
3: hypothetically talk about a mountain bike racer who lives in Michigan who's stuck on the trainer or the or maybe the fat bike, but mostly the trainer all winter. And then, you know, the first time they actually ride their mountain bike, it's they haven't ridden a mountain bike in four months or something or three months. I don't know how how long you have to not ride a mountain bike if you live in Michigan. I'll never move there, so I'll never find out. But if that is the case, then maybe making a couple trips down to Rays is better than nothing, you know? Yeah, sure.
1: Totally. And it's fun. Sometimes you've got to just have fun, guys. That's important. Yeah. I got, I, I, on all in the same day, when I was, the one time I visited Cleveland, I went to a bar and got a hot dog with, with Fruit Loops on it. And then from there Ew. I went, and then I oh, went goodness. from there, I went from there and got a tattoo. And then from there I went to raise all in the same day. Wow. Wow. That's pretty fun, dude. It was like probably one of the most epic <laughs> <Life-changing>. days. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, it's a, it, it a team I was on. We were
3: sponsored like, by the bar and the tattoo parlor and then the we just d- went to race. <laughs> the day that you just described sounds like sounds like if you asked a fourteen year old boy what would be the most awesome day ever. I was nineteen, so pretty pretty accurate.
2: <laughs> <laughs> All right, good stuff. Cool. Well yeah, let's let's wrap it there. Catch you guys next yep, week. Yep. See ya.
3: you.
2: All right, folks, thanks for tuning in for the latest episode of the Matchbox Podcast. Like I said at the beginning, you can send any questions or topic suggestions to matchboxpod at gmail.com with email title the Matchbox Podcast. Links to each of our social media pages can be found in the show notes. Tune in next week for another endurance training-related discussion and learn more about how you can find that extra match for your next big event. Catch you all soon. Let's go.
1: Ready to start working with a coach that'll make you faster? It's easy. Just go to the Ignition Coach Co. website and fill out our athlete form, and we'll connect you to the best suited coach for the job. You'll jump on a free consultation, determine if it's a good fit, and determine a start date. If you don't feel the vibes with that coach, well, then no sweat. We'll connect you to another coach that might be better. And then it's off to the races, or at least off to the training for the races. Don't wait any longer. Sign up today.